Welcome to Focus, a productivity podcast about more than just cranking widgets. I'm David Sparks and joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. Mike Schmitz. Hi, Mike. Hey, David. How's it going? Excellent. And we have a guest today. Welcome to the show, Kurash Dini. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks so much, Kurash. Uh, Kurash has uh, been a guest on the Mac Power Users in the past. He's a big nerd, but he's a lot more, too. He's a psychiatrist, author. He wrote uh, Creating Flow with OmniFocus, which is uh, an excellent book on using OmniFocus. Uh, did a video series about being productive, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, and I know you're a husband, your dad, a musician. Um, uh, you know, you're just a busy guy, Kurosh. I, I, I get bored easily, so I gotta keep keep going. <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, uh, you and I have been friends for some years, and we spend time yeah. together. And and one of the things I've always admired about you, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, is that um, this whole concept of kind of calm productivity that you, you, in fact, it's in the title of your being productive book. But if anybody out there is listening and they feel frantic or they feel like they always have more to do than they have time to do. So does Kurosh, but he manages to do it with panache and it doesn't, it seems, he seems to stay so calm about it. And I thought today we'd like to talk to you about that. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The, the idea of uh, calm focus is um, I, I think, I think it's important because it, it, it helps to bring out that um, sense of, uh, you know, when I talk about play, I mean it from this idea of uh, bringing out that sense of identity, who you are. And when you're in that calm state, um, you're able to be focused in a way that integrates you as a part of your work. And I just find that important. How, how did you arrive at that conclusion, though? I can't imagine that you've always been able to handle it so well. No, 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 definitely not. Actually, even when I, uh, I'm thinking back on the first um, edition of creating flow with OmniFocus, that was a time where I, uh, initially took, uh, the David Allen's getting things done and integrated it with, um, uh, uh OmniFocus in such a way that, um, uh, I was running Palomel just like it was, I was working and, um, and it was probably too much in, in retrospect. It was, it was like, uh, if I could do it, I should do it. And, and, and uh, it took a while to come to a conclusion that that's not the case. Uh, so, no, it was not always that way. Um, I think probably if I could point to a single source, uh, would probably be starting up a meditation practice at around, or at least more seriously doing it, at around the same time as I was publishing that first book. And then you can kind of see where all, like, all the other publications that I did, how they all get gentler and gentler as you go. Um, and, and, uh, I, so I, that's what I pointed to. And then as a result with, with the, um, being productive course, it, the very first lesson, um, is about making a decision about what you want to do. And the process in which one does that is a very mindful process. So I kind of lead you through that because I came to the realization that if you can do that, if you can make a very clear decision about what you want to do next, it makes every all the other structures of productivity uh, sit firmly. I like that. And I went through part of the course, and you defined work in there as, uh, correct me if I get this wrong, but I think it was something like anything that you need or want to do, 
which when you're when you're just starting a course on productivity, you hear that word work and you kind of traditionally think it means I'm how am I able to get more officey type stuff done. <laughs> but I really like the juxtaposition that you have in the course of play and, and productivity. Do you care to unpack that a little bit for the the listeners and, and kind of explain how your definition of, of play and, and focus influences your perspective when it comes to productivity and getting things done? Sure, absolutely. Actually, starting with your, your comment on the word work, it, I, I've played with that word quite a lot in the process of making that because I, I was, because I knew that connotation, you know, when, when a person hears the word work, like, ah, do I really want to do this? And, um, but, um, I think I, I took some of it from two places. One is from, uh, 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 Montessori, you know, like my kids were original had gone to Montessori school uh, for a little while when they were younger and what they'll refer to, refer to, um, what they do as work. Uh, but they also will very much strongly focus on play as being an important aspect of learning. And then the other aspect, or the other thing that fed into it was was um, a, a psychoanalytic model of the word play. Um, it comes from a, a, an analyst by the name of Winnicott, um, who very much stresses the importance of how um, this playful state of mind is part of the vitality of a person. And, um, and, and it's where... Because play is, um, you know, the sort of movement between uh, unconscious and conscious, between self and environment, um, between um, question and answer, it's it's a very focused state. Um, uh, because of all of that, uh, it it is also a path in which a person can develop uh, what what feels meaningful to them. Um, because, um, meaning is this, um, is connection is a depth of connection. And so play is your, you you are moving through that state of meaning, um, as, uh, you know, it's not the only thing, but it's, it's important. And, uh, as a result of that, um, those concepts coming together and, and thinking of play as being this depth of focus as well. Uh, it was like, this is, this is where the, um, the synthesis is it's it's play and work fused i, I think i said a whole lot of stuff all together there but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so how do you personally apply this play perspective to the work that you do i mean i, I get it from the perspective of i want to put things in my task manager which i have to do and other other things that i want to do but is this just does it influence the way that you view the work i think so yeah so so for example um, one of the things that, um, uh, causes procrastination, I'll answer the question kind of from a, a um, at an angle here. Um, procrastination is, is, uh, very much, uh, or very often, uh, fueled by, uh, negative feelings of some sort. So, uh, you want to avoid, um, what somebody will think of you if you complete something, or you want to, um, uh, avoid missing something else or or you want to avoid realizing how bad you are at something who knows there's in, hundreds of different ways that one can feel anxious or terrible and what happens is you kind of short circuit your way past it by just saying eh later um so when you um put something in front of you 
and move everything else away. Put the thing that you want to avoid in front of you. Um, you make that that leap to get there. Um, and then give yourself permission to not do it, which sounds odd, but give yourself permission to just not do the work, but you put it in front of yourself. What happens then is then uh, you begin to actually face the emotion, the emotion that you were avoiding to begin with. And once you start doing that, uh, the, uh, you're starting to connect what's meaningful to you, your real self, to what is supposed to be meaningful about this work. Do I need to do this? Do I not? What is so important about this? What's stopping me? What's hard about it? What's irritating about it? All those questions can start actually coming to mind. Um, and then as a result of that um, connection, you are actually, that, that reality, that part of you that, that, that feels like you are genuinely there, you can actually um, start to, it's not, it's less, uh, okay, this is just a report I have to write. It becomes more about what's meaningful about this work to me that's when you start inviting that playful state um, because then you're starting to explore something that is, is important to you. Um, and, and as a result of that, the work itself uh, becomes better too, uh, in addition to being able to be more focused. And it all sounds rather complex, but really it starts with something very simple, which is put the thing in front of you, put everything else away and sit there with it. Uh, if you can gently nudge it forward, all, all, you know, wonderful. That's great. Um, but it starts with with just that state, and uh, and and um, yeah, it's, it's it's simpler than it's it's as simple and as as incredibly difficult as as that to face one's emotion. Sure. No, I think that's a really powerful idea. I was talking to somebody the other day about procrastination and landed on a definition of, or one of the reasons that people procrastinate is a form of silent rebellion against something that somebody has asked them to do. And I've noticed that in, I've noticed that in myself, just with things that I've said I'm, I was going to do. And I, I think that the act of just taking the thing that you've committed to and putting it in front of you, like you said, and then giving yourself permission not to complete it, but just to pick at it, or even to say, I'm not going to, I don't want to do this right now. You deal with the emotion right away. And then once you deal with the emotion, it's like, okay, well, here's this thing. And it doesn't seem as intimidating. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually had a very, very uh, apropos connected to that idea of silent rebellion. So one day I was assigned a very long paper um, that was, um, in my opinion, um, BS. I didn't need to, this was, um, this was uh, uh, something that shouldn't have happened. I won't go into detail exactly, but um, what happened was I had to, I, I decided if I want to graduate, I have to do this thing. Um, but it, even if it's garbage, so I put it in front of me and, uh, the first few sentences were all just swear word after swear word. Um, and it sounds silly, but it was important because I was acknowledging my emotions. I was acknowledging how angry I was. And, um, it took me a few drafts, uh, of that and then a search and replace at the end. Uh, to make sure I got rid of all of those, uh, but yeah. uh, uh, but I, I finished it, and at the same time, though, as I actually wrote a letter on the side uh, to uh, to the dean to say why I thought this was was not a good idea. So 
uh, when I finished it and I did everything, graduated, made it all work, I had a letter to go that, that once I graduated, I could like actually approach them and say, look, there was a problem here. And so it actually wound up being a good thing to be able to sit with it and that and, and recognize the rebellion I wanted. <laughs> I've done that in the past where I've written letters that never got sent. Um, you know, in the, in the law practice, you deal with some real bozos and once in a while people <laughs> do something that's really wrong and, you know, you sit and write out this letter to them and then you print it out and you read it and you proofread it and then you throw it in the trash <laughs> and <laughs> somehow it, it serves a purpose. I don't know what to say. <laughs> But no, yeah, no, it I, does. I was thinking about uh, you're talking about how simple and how difficult it is. And uh, earlier you were talking about meditation. I feel like it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, all you have to do is sit with your thoughts. Well, that's that's <laughs> very easy to express and very difficult to do. And I think that's true with your procrastinated items. I mean, so often if you look at it mathematically, the energy consumption of just doing it is so much less than procrastinating it and carrying it and laying in bed and thinking about it and all the things we silly humans do, but there you need to get past the emotion to get these things done. Absolutely. In some ways I'm grateful for it because it gives me a job as a, as a therapist and psychiatrist, but at the same time, it's like I, I succumb to it myself and I have to pay attention to it. And it, it's something that it's a constant, you know, am I doing what I need to be doing? So it's not a knowledge problem that you can solve once you have the understanding it's the implementation and the practice of it <laughs> that's the hard part it's a regular practice it's a it's a, the practice of being human I, at the beginning of the show i talked about all the things you're doing and you you are truly a, a really busy guy do you run into blocks i mean uh, how do you manage all the various ores you have in the water and, and what do you do when things start breaking sure so i think it's a set of habits that really um is once you've kind of identified the habits, it helps you kind of know where the habits are breaking down. Yeah. Um, so, for example, one of the major things I tend to do um, is that I have, I choose, um, and actually this lines up with an episode of uh, you guys uh, had done, I was listening to some of your stuff, the moving the needle uh, you guys were talking about some time ago. Yeah. Um, where I, I, I have like three major um, uh, things that are ongoing. They're, they are whatever those projects happen to be. Um, I, I try to max out at three and I just make sure I do what I was describing earlier. I just make sure I touch upon each one every day. And sometimes when I have uh, a lot of time, uh, I'll spend a whole bunch of time on any one of them and maybe a little bit on the others. And when I have very little time, it's just, it's a matter of a, at least touching one of them and, uh, or a, a touching each one just, just barely. And, um, means put everything away, put the thing in front of me, and just fully be with it, even if it's just for a few moments. That in and of itself, just that habit, um, does a whole lot. Um, also, since there's three there, um, that assumes that there's another set of stuff that I'm not doing, and I, and I have a clear place for those things. They're all in my parked uh, area. Yeah. And having those parked and active ideas resting side by side where I examine them every day and say, okay, are the active things continuing to be active? Are the parked things continuing to parked? And if not, if I have to move something from park to active, that means I have to move one of the active things back to park and I have to make that decision. And once I've made that decision, I, I rest at ease 
um, with with the remainder of with with my work for the day, um, and that just that 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 particular habit um, I think does a good chunk of 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 my work. The, the rest is um, what, oh, oh, I don't know if this answers anything, but like one of my weak spots, I would say, and one that I always have to pay attention to is. Uh, wrapping up something at the end of a session. Um, so a session being just the time I spent with something. It doesn't have to be short or long. It's just a session. And um, what it means to me is that I have to be able to ask myself very clearly, um, uh, how can this be off of my mind? And asking that question then spawns other questions like, can I put this somewhere where I don't want to see it or I, I don't have to see it until uh, I want to do it? So, you know, if I want to do it again next Thursday, I have to have a way for it to, to be completely hidden until it shows up on Thursday, unless something else comes up and then I want it to show up in, in that way. And I have to think through, how am I going to make that structure? And doing that, the more I do that, the clearer everything tends to get, the more, more organized everything tends to be. But it, it's sometimes... Um, you know, especially I've got like a repeating task that you know I just have to click done and it'll show up again tomorrow. I don't necessarily think through that you know that, that um, process. I just ah I'll be fine, and and then I've got this messy desktop of of a bunch of icons. Um, so that tends to be a weak spot, but I still try to catch that every morning. You know, I'll look at it. Oh man, look at my desktop. All right, time to clean this up and and and, and do this. Um, and and it just reminds me of where things are to kind of fine tune and keep, keep working on. Now I forgot the question. Well, no, I, but <laughs> there's a couple of things I wanted to unpack there. And one is the idea of finishing a, a task you're on before you move on to the next one. And for me, uh, all of this stuff kind of comes together. I'm glad you mentioned that moving the needle show, because for me, a lot of that stuff comes together with this idea of blocking time on the calendar and physically tracking the time I spent moving the needle. And I do that before I go on to the next thing. And it does give you this sense of closure, like, okay, I did that today. And then all the, you know, the, the pressure that you put on yourself, the, you know, the, the thought, the laying in bed time of like, ah, I'm not doing that. It, it, you don't get that anymore. It's a magical cure, but you have to put the effort in and, and you're right. Yeah. It, it doesn't require hours. It can be 10 minutes. So long mm -hmm. as you did it and you, you know, and you did it with intention and, and you were deliberate about it. I like the, the phrase you mentioned. I just want to call it out. I think this is a little bit related. Um, how can this be off of my mind? Because that's different than following the GTD structure or whatever other productivity system you may be trying to follow. You can apply that for yourself. And depending on your own structure and workflow, you kind of know what you need to do for things to be off of your mind. But that's, for me, the valuable part and giving you the ability to focus on whatever's next. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 it's a question that it's a practice of honesty with yourself. You know, there's um, there's an interview with uh, with uh, Bruce Lee. It's, you know, there's very few interviews with Bruce Lee, but you can find it if you if you search for it. Um, and uh, in which he says something like, and I'm totally paraphrasing. He says, um, "I can do all these theatrics. I can jump around. I can move in you know all these different ways and be really impressive, but." What's really hard is being honest with myself. And that's what this question's about. The question of how can this be off of my mind is, a, is that practice of honesty, of like 
what would honestly get this off of my mind? What would make this so it doesn't come back and haunt me in some way? Or, and, and, the, and, and as a result of that, that practice of honesty, it, it becomes, um, uh, you know, you, you, you improve your system you, you, for whatever it is you find meaningful. This episode of Focused is brought to you by Timing, the app that tracks your time automatically instead of manually. Let's talk a little bit about why you should be tracking your time. For anyone billing their hours, this might seem a little obvious, but even if you are employed or billing per project, it's helpful to estimate how long a specific task is going to take, and you really have no idea how to do that if you're not time tracking. Time tracking helps you stay on track with your estimates to make sure you don't end up in the red with your creative projects, which can help you make more accurate estimates in the future. This is where timing can help you out. Instead of making you start and stop timers, timing automatically tracks how much time you spend in each app, document, or website. It shows you exactly when you were working on what, when you slacked off, and how productive you really were, so you know what adjustments you need to make to improve your productivity. But you know that work doesn't just happen at your Mac, which is why the timeline automatically makes suggestions for filling in the gaps. That way, you'll never forget about entering a meeting. And with the automatic sync feature, your track time will magically appear across all of your Macs. So if you work on the go with your MacBook, you'll have the full picture on your iMac once you get home. You can even track your work on the go from your iPhone and make use of the Zapier integration that lets you connect timing to services like FreshBooks. And for fans of shortcuts, timing has shortcuts ready for you to use that make time tracking even easier. I tried time tracking myself and it never worked for me because I would have to start and stop timers manually and I would forget to turn off a timer. So my travel timer, for example, when I would get in the car and drive to the co-working space would keep running and then I'd have hours on my timer even though it only took me about 10 minutes. I couldn't trust my data and I knew that it wasn't accurate so I didn't really do anything with it. But with timing, you don't have to worry about the integrity of the data. It is what it is. It's there when you're using your Mac. And so when you look at it, you get an accurate picture of how you actually spent your time. And once you know how you're spending your time, this is where you can start to make the adjustments. So if you look at your timing data and you see that you spent an hour on Twitter every day, maybe you want to cut that back so you have a little bit more time for your creative side project. Timing gives you that sort of data, and it's really, really easy to use. You just turn it on. It runs in the background. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You kind of set it and forget it until you jump into the data and decide what adjustments that you want to make. Timing is so confident that you'll love their fuss-free approach that they offer a totally free trial. You can download the free 14-day trial today by going to timingapp.com slash focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D and you'll save 10% when you purchase. Stop guessing how you spend your time and instead focus on doing what you're good at. Again, you can download the free 14-day trial by going to timingapp.com slash focused, and you'll save 10% when you purchase. We thank Timing for their support of Focused and all of FM. Something, Kurash, that I hear from from listeners of this show and, and readers all the time is the sense of overwhelm. Mm. You know, that everybody's got a lot on their plate. And I think this kind of follows up on the thread we were talking about before the ad break. But, you know, everybody's got all this stuff going. Now, you can either try and get the work done with this hectic feeling or with a sense of calm focus. 
And getting to that sense of calm focus is not easy for folks. And, you know, and, and that's one of the reasons why I like you so much for this question, because you do have a lot going on. You have patients, you have businesses, you have family. Um, even though you've got things parked and things active, you still have a lot going on. How are you able to, you know, how are you able to slow down enough to, to work on one thing at a time? It's a process. I think it's uh, using these sorts of, um, again, these habits. So like that, the, the three things, yes, that's one thing. But you're right, there's, there's more to it than that. So, all right, I'm going through my day here. So I do get up early. You know, they always talk about get up early. It's an important thing, get up early, whatever. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, get up early. I think it's a good idea. It, it helps me, at least. Um, maybe it's, um, I know there are those who don't function well in the morning, and maybe a late night thing is the way to do it for, for them. I, I don't know. But for me, that's work. So I get up at five. And then um, somewhere in there, I do my meditation. But that's also the time that I, I uh, uh, practice piano. But regardless of what happens, I practice piano. There's something going on. There's nothing going on. Um, the only time I don't is if I am, uh, you know, on vacation somewhere and there's no piano nearby. Um, and in which case maybe I've, it would be nice if I brought my guitar, but chances are I didn't do that either. Um, but I got to do something that has to do with music, even if it's whistle or something like that. And, uh, that I think does a lot, just the music aspect of things. Um, let me think about it. it. It's always a question that I always feel very strongly about that music is hugely, hugely important to, um, uh, I think, emotional health, mental health, at least you know, for me, and I think it's for others too. Um, and then how to answer why or how is so hard for me to put into words. Uh, at the same time, uh, uh, Dave, I know you're, you're, you, you play music, you, you, uh, you're, you play saxophone, you've, um, you've done quite a bit. Um, and I imagine you feel at least somewhere parallel in this, um, that it does a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. I, I feel like the nice thing about music is it's a conscious choice. You know, um, yeah. everybody feels overwhelmed. Everybody has more to do, especially in the modern world than they have time to do. And you can get on that treadmill and you can drive yourself straight into the ground or you can choose to do as, as good as you can and also carve out time for yourself, you know, like music or meditation or spending time with your family. And I do think so much of this is just about making the choice. And as I know that's really bad advice for a lot of people saying, you know, don't, it, it's more than a mindset, but there is also a mindset involved. Am I am I being silly, Mike? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'm a musician too, but not as accomplished as probably either of you. But uh, for a while, I was doing a, a productivity experiment because I do a lot of creative work, a lot of writing. And about one o'clock every day would typically just hit hit my my uh, hit hit a lull. And uh, I read this article somewhere, which I have since lost, but it talked about the different types of energy and it suggested using music as a form of kind of resetting your energy level. So I actually have my my guitar stand and my guitar right here, right next to my desk. And uh, I'll pick it up and whenever I'm feeling low energy and I'll just play guitar for a while. It, it's a different form of creativity and usually after 15, 20 minutes, then uh, I come back and I feel recharged and I feel like I can I can tackle the project that I was procrastinating on beforehand. So I do think that there's something something to that. 
It's it's a blend of uh, of emotion and uh, conscious thought. It's it's a it's a world where um, words you know aren't necessarily like you you speak emotion in other in another language um, uh, of of sound and sound is just it's it's simpler than words. You know, words are you know they they live in sound. That's right. That's fine. And there's rhythm to it and all that. But there's something just even more atomic, nuclear, basic about um, a single sound that you can play with. So there's that word play again, that you can play with um, uh, uh, things that are very simple and create things that are very complex in, in such a way that I just don't see that. Um, I mean, I, I, I imagine it happens in other arts, so I'm very you know biased towards music. But... Um, you know, it, it, it does something to, to one's, um, to enrich oneself when you're engaged in the arts in that way. Yeah. There's a great, uh, interview with Quincy Jones. They made a biography on him, or actually it was a, a documentary about him. And he kept saying throughout it, he says, there's just 12 notes. It's just 12 yeah. notes. I mean, Mozart <laughs> and Monk worked with the same 12 notes and they made vastly different things. And uh, that there is something kind of magical about that, that we all have access to the same 12 notes. Now, what are you going to do with them? But but I, I think it goes beyond that. I think that um, one of the ways to deal with the sense of overload is the act of creation. It doesn't have to be music. It doesn't even have yeah. to be painting or what, what people would traditionally think of as creation. It could be yeah. uh, a very well-tended garden. It could be, you know, it, there could be many things. Um uh, but I, no, I think you're absolutely right. But yeah. I think you have to have that. Um, if you think you're a robot and you can get up and work on this never ending list uh, from, you know, the time you wake to the time you sleep every day, you're going to find out that that is not going to serve you well, that the taking breaks, doing creation, you're actually going to accomplish more than if you had gone bell to bell um, on the thing. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're spot on. No, I think it, it is more about creativity. There's just that spirit of creativity than anything that helps to bring that sense of meaning that really buoys oneself, you know, that helps you, you know, see through the, the chaos. It, it, it occurs to me that we we're talking about play and productivity previously. And uh, we've talked about habits before, David and James Clear, identity-based habits versus outcome-based habits. And uh, it, it occurs to me that productivity, typically we associate that with work, and that tends to be something that has a deadline, something that we have to produce by a certain time, whereas when we play, we don't have that looming deadline, and we're able to just focus on the thing. Like when I pick up my guitar to play it because I need a break from writing, with writing, I've got so many words I need to write or an article that's going to be published, but when I pick up the gu guitar to play it, it's not so that I have a song written by the end of the day. And I wonder if just recognizing that those deadlines and those outcomes that we, we pick for ourselves, that that kind of imposes the pressure typically associated with, uh, with work. And maybe we can flip that on its head and just enjoy the process. And then whatever comes from it, comes from it. Yeah, so like one of like one of the habits that I think winds up being very helpful, like let's say with something that has a due date, is to um, start something as soon as it's assigned. Uh, you know, just try to try to be mindful of the procrastination that might go with it. But the moment it's assigned, and then set up a repeating schedule, so maybe daily or twice a day or once or whatever, to just come back and 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 be with that thing. And when you 
you do that, you give yourself the longest possible period of time uh, between when it's assigned and when it's due, gives you the most control. And as a result of that, that playful spirit tends to have more of a welcome area to, to show up, you know? So, so you can try to hopefully bring together that playful mindset with those things that are, that are otherwise um, um, not associated with play. Yeah, and this, this gets at something that you mentioned in the course. Your piano teacher, you mentioned, told you, just touch the keys every day. So if you start that earlier, you're going to learn the piece anyways, but then it eliminates the pressure to, I have to memorize or I have to practice this section of this piece today. You just have to show up. Yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah, no matter how, if you've got a fever, if you've got tons of homework, just just touch the keys at the very least every day. And it's a magical thing. I think it, it makes a big difference. And then if you start something way early, especially if you got this, dude, I've started things, I've finished things like, Oftentimes I finish things way in advance of a due date to the degree that I'm like, I don't want to turn this thing in because they're going to know that I have more time. Uh, to- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm speaking later this year and it's January and now I have a repeating task and OmniFocus to, to, and right now it's just a mind map. And, but every two days it shows up and, and most days I spend a little time in there and I check it off and it shows up two days again if I'm on a day that's particularly busy, I'll just forward it one more day and then I'll see it the next day. So, I mean, but having that, that little tickler to remind me to step mm-hmm. into it, uh, this thing will be ready, you know, and I'm not going to be prepping slides the night before I get on an airplane. It gives you such a better sense. Yeah. So like if, if it's going to take a lot longer than you thought, then you, you're in a much better position, you know, two weeks in advance to let whoever know, look, this is going to take a while. Or it gives you a way to adjust and say, okay, it's not going to have a certain something that I wanted it to have. Or, hey, looks like I'm right on time. This is going to go great. So, something that you said uh, earlier in the show that just kind of clicked for me is that it is interesting because I don't look at this speaking engagement as something I'm procrastinating or something I'm dreading the work for. It's something I just, it's just part of my routine. And, um, there is just like you said earlier, I didn't realize I was doing this to myself, but the act of seeing it show up on the list and making the conscious decision to work on it or to not work on it, it, it defangs the whole process. Totally. Totally. Yeah. It, 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 you've got it also as part of the routine. So I imagine that once this is done, maybe something else will come into that slot and then it becomes a part of the, you know, your, you have like this general routine of, of getting your work, you know, ahead of getting ahead of your work so that the whole thing is defanged. You're right. I, I do think though, that really also gets to the, uh, this overwhelm problem that we hear from so many people about is the fact is there is no magic cure for overwhelm. I mean, you definitely should say no more. We'll talk about that more probably later in the show, but the, um, but there, even if you say no a lot, you're still going to have a sense of overwhelm. And I think that the answer is just like Kurosh was talking about, pick, you know, pick your battles. Uh, you, you can choose to be overwhelmed or you can choose to pick the, the pieces of it that you want to, to handle and handle those and just put everything else off. And you just got to be smart about that. Yeah. Yeah. It takes, um, I mean, I'm might be that I'm, uh, uh, spoiled biased or something and that I have a, private practice and i've had that for uh, um however many years now what are we 
2020 now, right? So uh, <laughs> I guess about uh, uh, 13 years, 14 years. And um, so I can, I can call certain shots in terms of when I see people, when I don't, and how I can schedule things. And a lot of people are in positions where they just have to do what they're assigned and things will be more than they can do. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't run into situations where I have to say no, draw lines, say, okay, this isn't going to work, this will, whatever. I actually have to do it in more, like I actually have to draw many more micro uh, uh, lines, if you will. And, and, and in that sense, when you see an opportunity, when you see a place that you're going to have to say no, when you're having, when you're overwhelmed, let's say you write everything down that's on your mind, every, you know, let's say you go through the inbox process of just, okay, here's all the stuff I got to do and then sort it out and realize, yeah, I don't have this time. Then you have to start picking and choosing and being able to, um, 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 renegotiate things. You have to be able to call people. You have to be able to email people. You have to be able to, uh, disappoint people. That's where the um, emotional aspect comes into play because they're, saying no is not just saying no. Saying no is asserting personhood. It's asserting independence. It's, um, it's uh, not being the thing somebody else wanted you to be. Um, and all of the feelings that come with all of those things and, and, and more. So it's, it's such a, um, a major practice. Yeah, you're talking about micro lines and disappointing people and making those choices. Uh, you also talk in the course about this idea of being hyper-connected. And I think there's definitely a connection there. So uh, how do you personally fight that urge to be hyper-connected? Oh, yeah, sure. So, yeah, the way I describe hyper-connected is mainly in terms of yeah, the communication lines, you know, whether it's, um, you know, email, Twitter, phone calls and all the rest of that. For example, with the phone, like a simple example is with uh, notifications, just turning them all off and turning them on one by one, whichever ones you want. You know, so that's one one sort of thing. With the phone, I have a very clear outgoing message that says, um, you know, I check my messages until about this time. Afterwards, if you need to reach me, um, there's an urgent line you can reach me on and I'll, you know, um, and uh but otherwise leave the message here. So I leave these sorts of um, lines and then portals to reach me if, if there's um, um, uh, uh, you know, urgency uh, needed. Then, um, but in terms of myself, um, for example, I, I do have a certain habit of checking Reddit every once in a while, which is you know, wonderfully jokingly, but accurately a procrastination uh, world. Um, and, um, how do I deal with that? I, well, I, it, that's a constant struggle. I've tried deleting it. I've tried moving it off the page. I've tried doing this, that, and the other to say I'm never going to look at it again. And No, I still look at it. Um, the fact of the matter is um, I've realized that uh, I get some of my news that way. I'm entertained by it. And um, at the same time, I am still able to get all the other things done. And I have a way of saying to myself, look, I've got things on my list. I've got, let's say, four or five things left today to do, um, and really acknowledging is now a time to do this or not. Um, so in that sense, w one has to tread the line, or I have to tread the line, of, um, of asking myself, am I procrastinating or am I um, you know, entertaining myself for these two minutes while you know, the pizza's heating in the microwave? I don't know if I fully answered your question in some solid way, but... Uh, I guess the answer is it's hard. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, it's hard. <laughs> Absolutely. I well, I try to game that to a certain extent, like things like Reddit or video game or something. It's like, hey, you know what? If I move the needle X hours today, if I, you know, yeah. if I finish the day with a solid ending to the day with the shutdown and planning of the next day, then I then I can reward myself. I can do some brain dead stuff in Reddit or you earned it video games or whatever. And then I kind of try to use it to motivate myself. But the, the trick to that is you got to be honest with yourself and the days that you don't move the needle or the days you don't, you know, hit whatever it is in my, your mind you thought you needed, then don't do it, you know? And, uh, no, I, I, I suppose I do similarly. I think, you know, if it, if, you know, it looks like there's a growing backlog on my today list, it's, it's not time to do, I can't do it. So I know I can't do it. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, yeah, I managed to make it to the end of the day and get through everything and, um, you know, Hey, time to, to, to play a game. Um, or, you know, yeah, absolutely. I also like the idea of you, you mentioned the emergency number and basically the ways that people can contact you if it's really urgent, but not just leaving the door open by asking people to clarify whether their thing actually is urgent, I assume that reduces the amount of phone calls that you would get if you just had your phone number up there and people could could call you. So I like the idea of putting those barriers in place, even if all you're doing is adding an additional step and people can still reach you. Adding that additional step, I'm sure, reduces the number of inputs that you or distractions, potential distractions that could take your focus off of what you, you want it to be in. It's probably different for everybody. Not everybody's got a, a practice, <laughs> but uh, I think it's worth considering is where can you put those additional barriers to the interruptions and distractions in your own workflow? Absolutely. No, I think that's, that's um, it, people, you know, when you give them the option and saying, look, this is, it's not an open door policy. You've got, you've got a knock, you know, it's, and, uh, and, and please know I'm in the middle of something. Uh, but then they judge it. You know, they can have their own decision. Yes. Okay. I can, uh, yes, now is an important time to knock. And when they do, I welcome them in and hear what they have to say. And yes. Okay. That was very, uh, uh, I'm glad you, you, you contacted me or, or, um, um, if it didn't seem like it was uh, something I might say, look, you know, this is something that may have waited, uh, maybe next time, if you don't mind, I just leave a message. I'll get back to it uh, the next morning or something. And you just have that conversation and, and it becomes, uh, you know, a part of the um, relationship, if you will, uh, to, to you know, say, OK, where can I um, how can I be reliable to you? Because, you know, if, if, if you have this sort of overwhelmed situation where you're constantly hyperconnected, um, it can it's not only about um, your own inability to function. You get uh, at least I get I get resentful or angry or upset or something. And I don't want to be that. I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to, I don't think I'll be um, helpful to people in that case. You know, it's, I want to be able to fully be like, uh, to be present and feel like, yes, this is, this is something that um, I want my attention on and uh, let's do this together. Yep. And when you feel resentful or angry, typically the person that you are resentful or angry towards, it's not really their fault. They just happen to be the victim, the, the straw that broke the camel's back and the person in front of you when you taken all you can take and you can't take no more sure yeah well, that's that's not cool to them <laughs> yeah no 
when I'm in trial, I have a, a response. I send out when clients email me and it says basically I'm in trial. When I'm in trial, I give my clients all of my attention. And right now I'm in trial for somebody. Someday if you're in trial, you will have all of my attention. But right now I have to focus on this, you know, and uh, and that that was really a good kind of auto response because it, it let people know it's like, OK, I care about you, too. But right now I don't have time. And um, and I never got negative feedback to that. I like that. So you say you say one day when you're you know, if you are in this situation, I will I will give you that same sort of um, uh, attention. Yeah. It's tough though. It's tough. And, uh, even just like you, you said notifications, what a great, you know, what a great starting place for anybody to try and take control of this stuff. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave my, uh, for example, uh, you know, messages, um, I leave the, uh, the, the sound off, you know, so, you know, I take off like the, where you get to choose what sound you want for your messages. I just have it none. Yeah. And, um, and I know there are a lot of people who are not happy with that, but that also establishes a certain, um, you know, relationship. Uh, also the type of messages or information I get through there, um, you know, I, I'm very clear about, you know, I'll tell clients, for instance, if you want to reach me, the way to reach me is through the phone. You know, I don't do, uh, uh text, uh, generally, or I don't do email, you know, things like just, and then that phone gives all the information about what's the best way for me to, to discuss things or not, because I want to be fully present in the discussion when it's time to have a discussion. This episode of Focused is brought to you by ExpressVPN, the high-speed, secure, and anonymous VPN service. Get three months for free with a one-year package. Just head over to expressvpn.com slash focused. Gang, I want to talk about VPN services. There's a ton of them out there, but ExpressVPN is special. You want a VPN service that you can feel confident in and you can trust. And ExpressVPN is just that. They value your privacy. They don't log your data to make money from selling it like some other services may. ExpressVPN has developed a technology called Trusted Server that only stores your data in RAM. And it's super fast and you can stream HD quality videos with no lag. It's really simple to use. You just fire up the app, click one button, and you're connected to a VPN. Plus, ExpressVPN is loved by TechRadar, The Verge, CNET, and more. I've tried a bunch of VPN services. I got a free trial to ExpressVPN because they sponsored the show. But when I was done, I subscribed because I really like it. I travel a lot. I do client work sometimes on strange Wi-Fi, and I want ExpressVPN to watch my back. It's easy to use, it gives me peace of mind, and it gets the job done. Maybe you think you don't need a VPN service. Everybody now needs a VPN service, and you should do it with ExpressVPN. So protect yourself today. Go to this link right now, expressvpn.com slash focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D, and get an extra three months free with a one-year package. Once again, that's expressvpn.com slash focused now to learn more. Start protecting yourself with a VPN service you can rely on, ExpressVPN. Let's talk a little bit about saying no. I mean, uh, you've been talking about how you manage things. Um, um, how often do you do you face the struggle of no? Uh, every ten minutes. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was uh, hoping you'd say that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, my goodness, I, I mean, a lot of it's to myself. I mean, I've, I've you know, I, I want to do other projects, write things. Uh, my video game list right now is absurdly long. I, you know, it's, it's, um, like how many, like 
games go on sale <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably <laughs> and uh like and i think somebody once described books uh, when you buy a book um you buy not only the book you buy the fantasy of time to read it um and uh so so often um i'm i'm uh, caught up in like well if i start this what what, what do i get to do uh, what else what else am i not going to do um which is far too many things yeah i have a huge filter for television programming like everybody says oh you love this show my first yeah. question is always, well, how many, you know, how many hours is this show? You know, right. <laughs> is it one of those right. American shows where they have 28 episodes? I can't, even, <laughs> maybe I would love it, but there's no way I can watch it. So <laughs> it's like, I try to put that no filter in very early on media. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. I'm like, not, not to start the, sh not to start the, uh, the show and then realize later, because now you now you're wondering what's going to happen with everybody. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, I, I think the the struggle of no is is a never ending battle. It's it's something that you have good days and you have bad days with it. Um, but the yeah. uh, but it's also not the only piece of all of this. Yeah, no, it's part of it. Wasn't uh, I think Merlin Mann once said something like uh, uh, renegotiation is the is the ultimate master uh, skill, um, uh, productivity skill, something like that. I can't remember exactly. Sounds like something um, he'd say, yeah. Yeah, that um, once you're sometimes you don't realize you, you could have or should have said no to something because it's now taking up a certain sort of um, psychic real estate that you hadn't anticipated. And you have to be able to now um, manage it afterwards. And that's uh, like, I don't know if that's like a, a subset of, of the word no. Um, it's, it's like a no after the fact. Um, but it's it's something like oh is that what I, what this is all about and um, and you have to work on on those th those happen as well like if I start a if I start writing something and I, and and it's a I thought it was an article and now it's a book um, okay now what do I do <laughs> I have to decide yeah How, what's your process like for uh, for those moments you know when you say yes to something and then it ends up being a whole different animal and you have to renegotiate what does that look like for you well if it's with somebody else then i have to be able to very clearly say um i thought this was something different and um you know in whatever way that that comes across and i have to do that early you know something that i can be it can be all too easy is kind of say ah maybe it'll get better ah eh, maybe i won't have to say anything ah. i think that's too uh, problematic because then often things just keep snowballing so i've realized um that as soon as you realize that something is bigger than you think it, it might might have might be, what I'll say is, look, I think this is bigger than I think it was, and then I'll give myself um, a, a let's say a week or two, and I'll or something you know some time frame, and I'll say, how would you feel about if I gave this another week or two? I'll keep giving you know seeing where I can get with this, and if it seems like this isn't going to get to where it should be by the time that deadline is there, then um, will that give you enough time to? figure something else out. Um, so in th that way, I invite the other person to the discussion because it's, it's, it becomes this realization that the, the, um, the, the resource of time is limited and we are going to discuss the fact that time is limited. I think too often, um, we have this sort of societal unspoken idea, maybe I'm making this up, but that time is somehow unlimited. Oh, you can do that. You'll find a way. You know, just go I can for, squeeze you know, one we'll, more thing in. <laughs> right. 
And we do that even with good things like, oh, yeah, start exercising. Yeah, OK, fine. You know, where am I going to do yeah. that? So, um, it, you know, I, 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 I do some, but I can always do more. And it um, reminds me of an unrelated sort of joke, which is uh, what's the best exercise? It's the one you're not doing. Anyway, um, I, but you know, on that point though, there's something very interesting because I've observed this with people too. Like, people will not double book their calendar. Like, I will not plan on going to Mike's birthday party and Kurash's um, Game of Thrones viewing party at the same time because that would be crazy, right? You don't you don't put yourself in two places at one time. But we do that with project commitments to the nines. I, I don't understand, but you know, as it seems like an issue where it's so clear on one level, but so, ob but, but we break the rule every day. And I, I think that's so Absolutely. often true. Myself included. I mean, I, I try not to, but I still do it. A written task is so, you know, the, the, the same it occupies the same amount of screen real estate or paper real estate. You know, one says buy milk and the other one says write book. And, it's there are two vastly different worlds being described in the same amount of, of, of space. And, and I think there's a part of us that just doesn't, doesn't recognize that. So we have to actively look through our list and, and think what would this genuinely look like even just for today? And we have a hard enough time with that. Well, I mean, Kurosh, you wrote a very good book on OmniFocus. I did a video series. Mike is uh, always been, you know, both at Asian efficiency and, and now over at Sweet Setup, you're writing about productivity every day. And I, and I'll tell you, once a week, I have a text expander snippet to respond to this email I get, and I'm sure you've seen it as well. It's like, um, thank you for the course on OmniFocus. Unfortunately, app no longer works for me. It has ten thousand tasks in it, and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. You know, it, the app doesn't work. And and my response is, no, the app is working fine. You're the problem. You know, <laughs> we've diagnosed the the problem and it's yeah. somewhere between the chair and the keyboard <laughs> you know it's just because just because a, a task program can hold 10,000 tasks doesn't mean you should be putting 10,000 tasks in a task program you know it means right. that you your filters are turned off and you have you have buried yourself now you have to dig out the 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 hope is that i can see where a person gets into that they, they the idea is that you you add things to the inbox and and that it's now off your mind but but the problem is, is you've missed that, that honest component of yeah, it. You've the, the missed second the part step. Where, yeah. <laughs> where it's like, is this honestly off of my mind? The only way that's the case is if you've put it in a list or in a place or in something where you genuinely feel that it can be seen when and where it needs to be seen and done. So you have to genuinely feel, yeah, this is not going to be on some overburdened list. And if you don't feel that, well, now you have to do something about that. So it's, it's, um, that process is, is an ongoing process and, and um, uh, and it's the reason why you have to clean the inbox very regularly. Uh, if it, otherwise the whole thing just, just collapses. Yeah. I, I've always given the advice that, you know, put anything in the inbox that comes to mind, you know, flush your brain out, put it in there and then later go through it and consider it if it's worthy or not. And I wonder if that's a disservice. Sometimes I wonder if people should be applying the filter before they even put it in the inbox. I think a lot of people have trouble once they commit it to digital or written ink. Um, it's like they have a certain degree of ownership in it. And, uh, you know, the what's the saying? Kill your babies. I The stuff that goes in my inbox, I would say at least a third of it never makes it into a project. 
I don't think it's a disservice. I think it's it's, it's a two part question. I think it's it's how often are you going to check your inbox, or how often, you know, can you develop this habit of of processing your inbox? Yeah. And how and 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 if you can do that, that'll dictate how often you can or what you can throw in there. So if, for example, you, I, if I'm, like for example, I'm writing, you know, if I'm writing something, um, I often will have you know ten different ideas about what to write in addition and also other stuff that's going on. And if I have have it fully in my mind that I will go back after the session is done to process the inbox, I have no problem just throwing, you know, whatever in there. And um, I'll come back to it and suddenly it goes from zero to 20 things in there. That's okay. I know those 20 things pretty well and I can file them very quickly because they're all fresh, which is very different than if I never go to it and I have 20 things that are all very different from each other and and I've forgotten half of what they mean and, and then it's a mess. I think this applies to projects too, though, not just tasks. And you mentioned earlier that you've got three things that you're working on. And if you want to work on something else, then you have to pick one of those three to put on pause. So how do you fight the urge to say, well, this thing maybe took is taking a little bit longer than I thought it was going to. It's it's bigger than I initially thought it was, but that's okay. I can squeeze it in alongside these other things that I wanted to be working on by now. Yeah. I, I won't say I've never done that. I, I have occasionally done that where I'll say, okay, here's a fourth thing very, very briefly. But um, usually I'll, I'd say that's about one or 2% of the time. Um, one of the things that helps is that I might... Um, uh, so I'll, I'll have uh, 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 an, a separate project that I set to a particular uh, defer date to a date to show up on my list, um, where I'll say, uh, consider starting such and such on this day. So let's say uh, work on taxes, for example. Let's say I'm working on three things right now, and I really want to start working on the taxes to get them done. I might say, consider start working on taxes by... Friday, you know, I'll put that on there. Uh, and then it'll show up on my list on Friday. Meanwhile, those three things that I'm looking at right now, um, that I'm working on, I'm, I'm anticipating that one of them will be done by, uh, by Friday. So in that way, it's not just squeeze things in. It's about, um, uh, trying to, uh, incorporate time into my decisions. Uh, and then if Friday comes along and I still haven't finished, um, those uh, those three things. It's time for me to again reevaluate. Well, I'm that much closer to when taxes are due, and um, I might have to put one of these things aside, or maybe it's I can you know kick the can another couple of days. Um, and uh, but I have to do it with these things in mind. So that sounds like a bad idea, and that that kick kick the can idea. But what happens actually is that as that's going on nothing else is getting in there. So if I do happen to finish something, it's not like I'm going to look at my parks list and going, ah, now I get to do that. I've, I've got this firmly in mind that this thing is going to be showing up next. I think that's brilliant, to be honest, to give yourself permission to say, no, I don't want to do this thing right now. I know I've fallen into the trap where I've got these projects, I put them in my task management system, and you mentioned defer dates. Uh, I'll that's one of the reasons I like OmniFocus is the fact that they have those defer start dates as opposed to just an arbitrary due date for when this thing is due. 
but you put a project in your task management system, you've got a date now that it's showing up and you physically can't get to it right now. So what happens? It shows up as overdue. And then you're like, oh, I guess I'm not as good at this task management stuff as I thought I was. So just framing it as consider, I love that because you don't have to spend any time working on your your taxes yet. You just have to make a yes, no decision about whether that's something that you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. No, consider a is is a word that I'll use quite often because it, it is just you want to be able to make the decision at that point, which is I think where a lot of task systems fall apart is when you don't realize that the next action is actually actually the decision to do something. I can also be abused, but I, I think it, it is very useful. Yeah, I think I got that trick out of your book, uh, one of the first versions of it, and I still use it all the time. Like just the other day, I, I want a new bicycle helmet, and I stumbled onto a website with some that I like, but I wasn't in a, in a spot where I could stop and do the half-hour deep dive on bicycle helmets, you know? So you save the link and say, consider a new helmet. And it goes in, and at some point, you can just pick that up, that thread up where you left off, but not right now. You can get back to your, your, your moving the needle tasks, and it's, it's a wonderful trick. And I think it's the perfect word. I like it too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's, and in fact, the bicycle helmet, I'm thinking um, I, there might be a time where I might put that into that same parked area. And then at some point I might decide that's a move the needle sort of thing for me. Yeah. You know, uh, that if you want to spend an hour, you know, researching, which maybe it would take, you know, maybe even more, why not put it in there and then, you know, work on it and then, and then, uh, complete it and maybe have it come again the next day. And then, you know, keep working on it until you feel like, yes, I think I know what the bicycle helmet is that I want. Yeah, and the angle for me on that as of late is is using is combining it with block scheduling. When you've got a task management system that can surface those things for you, then you actually build time for it. And for the the advantage for me is that then I don't worry about the other stuff that's not getting done because this is the time I blocked to this problem, and now I will mm-hmm. work on this problem. And it, it's it's very liberating, just in in my head at least. Actually, as you mentioned, uh, like uh, that uh, block scheduling, hyper scheduling, all that sort of, it reminds me, there's another aspect that I think is important. There's a certain rhythm to work. Like if you have, like, so for example, I have clients that I see uh, throughout the week. And so as a result of having commitments to others at different times here and there, I think that helps me a lot in terms of scheduling everything else and doing everything else. Um, like if I have a week off uh, and I don't like, you know, over Christmas break or something and I just have nothing scheduled, I notice that some my piano practice, for example, gets to be less. I don't practice as often um, uh, or, or I don't practice as much. I mean, I still do it every day, but it winds up being like five minutes instead of half an hour. So it's there's something about that, I think, scheduling that also helps the things that aren't scheduled, too. This episode of Focused is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next big idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. No matter what your creative project, whether you want to create an online store, create a portfolio, create a blog, create a podcast, Squarespace is the tool. It's an all-in-one platform that lets you do any of those things with nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades needed. It takes all of the stress and worry out of the process because you know that Squarespace has got it covered. 
They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name when you sign up. And all of those award-winning templates, they're beautifully designed, they look great on any device, so you know that your great idea is going to look great no matter where people access it. I'm working on a creative project myself right now, and even though I know how to set up a server, install WordPress, install themes, plugins, and make it all work and look exactly the way I want, I'm using Squarespace because it's so easy and I know that it'll do exactly what I want, and I can focus just on making the thing. I don't have to worry about any of the details that typically go along with web development. It's also my go-to tool whenever somebody wants me to help them create a website because I don't want to have to maintain it. And with Squarespace, I can give them the keys and they can manage it for themselves, even if they don't have any web development experience. And if you do want to jump in and mess with the code, you can always do that with Squarespace too. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start with a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code focused to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for this show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash focused and the code focused to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of focused and all of FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So on the topic of block scheduling, you have an interesting rhythm to how you schedule things in the course where you talk about the difference between the work and the pause sessions. Do you mind unpacking that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So pausing, you know, is where I talk about, you know, how important pausing is to making a decision that you need to be able to take time in order to, um, to make a decision well. And pausing is kind of that that, that impetus, that thing that makes it, make it makes it work. And when you're working, when you're sitting with um, um, a piece of work, then often you'll be hit by ideas, um, things that are related to work, things that aren't. Uh, you'll be frustrated. You'll be any you know you can feel negatively about it. Want to throw the you know laptop across the room or whatever. Um, too often, I think there's this sort of, uh, you know, especially if there's deadline right there looming in front of you, we work with this feeling of like, we got to push, push, push. And if you can, especially start early, you get the um, um, uh, luxury of being able to pause and just space out to allow your thoughts to settle. And um, as a result of that, you can. Um, you wind up usually finding neat ideas, different paths to um, develop things. Uh, you know, whether you're, uh, you know, if I'm writing something, uh, you know, let's say I was while I was designing the the being productive course, I might suddenly realize, oh, you know what? There's this other thing that needs to happen before, or this thing that happens later. And rather than be frustrated by that and think this is never going to get done, um, being able to just let myself my mind wander, um, I could just write those down and I'll come back to it. I'll, I'll get there sometime. And, and, uh, uh, that encourages, I think that, that playful mindset in, in the work. So it is a, it is this 
back and forth flow between work and pausing, just letting yourself kind of um, stare out the window, if you will. And you incorporate reminders to do that too, if I remember correctly. Well, the reminders are there for, um, so the, the, there's a couple of places that I introduce reminders in there. One is just to try to help a person learn the process of sitting with something. So I'll say, you know, set a reminder for, let's say, five minutes just to get a sense of what this is like. Um, but then once you're done with that, you don't need that part. The second part where it's helpful is when you can set a reminder to begin closing the session instead of when to end the session. Um, and I'll describe that. So, you know, let's say you have an hour to do something. And uh, uh, instead of... Um, setting your alert to say, okay, finish at one hour, because now you have to scramble to stop this thing and run off to the next thing. This is about having in mind how long it would take for you to kind of shut things down, put things away, get it off your mind and all that. You know, maybe set the alert for, you know, the 45 minute mark instead. So when you do that, um, it does allow you more time to space out and think and not look at the clock. Um, uh, uh, and invite that sort of work and pause uh, motion, um, that playful uh, motion. So, um, uh, so in that sense, the, the the timer is there, but it's not a timer in the sense of, let's say, the Pomodoro technique, which exactly that's more, what I was thinking of. This is like the anti-Pomodoro. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 like you've Pomodoro is actually very useful, but this is like you've learned what the pauses will do for you, and now you get to control it yourself. So Pomodoro is work 25 minutes and pause for five minutes. And um, there's, there's, I've tried that and I've used it before and it, there's, there's benefit, but this is more like, you know what, now you know what a pause will do for you. So if you want to pause five minutes in, go ahead. And if you want to pause for a long period of time, go ahead, but stay with the work. Don't leave. Don't go somewhere yeah. else. Don't play a game. Don't do anything else. Don't search, you know, Reddit. Don't look at your uh, email. This is still stay with the work. It's just pause and space out if you want, but pause and be there with it. Yeah, the thing for the with the Pomodoro for me is that it helps you get started, but then you work until the timer goes off. And then the timer is basically, okay, now you stop everything. And I like the way that you incorporated the reminders because it gives you kind of a natural off-ramp. <laughs> so you don't just stop when you're going 60 miles an hour on the on the highway but you can transition much more calmly i would say into whatever happens to be coming next which is very much in line with the the calm focus theme that is behind the your course right no that's exactly it yeah you that 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 momentum that 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 motion i think is very um very accurate like if if i'm playing the piano and I'm, I'm, I'm practicing and suddenly this thing goes off and now I got to stop. It doesn't work. It, it just, it can't, it can't. And I think the same thing works with, with many, um, um, uh, situations. Now, one thing you could argue with the Pomodoro is that once a person gets that rhythm down, they kind of naturally start to feel when it's time to start winding down from that 25 minutes. I think that that could happen, but, but then there's still that problem of some things take longer to really develop the roots of attention into everything in your life doesn't fit in a 25 minute bucket in fact very few right. do exactly um i i i i set alarms the same way in advance of the next appointment 
to give myself wind down. And, um, and I've always admired people that can properly finish something. You know, like when you have a task, then you leave notes to yourself for, you know, future self for continuing it. And, um, you know, properly document what's happened. And, you know, there, there is some feeling you get when you successfully do that, that is indescribable. I think it pushes, pushes all my anal retentive buttons, but I think it works for everybody. It's, it's a way of bookmarking. It's a way, it's a way of saving. It's a way of, of, um, you know, it's getting it off your mind. Yeah. Which is extremely valuable because, uh, I think probably a lot of people, myself included in the past have worked in a form where you've got so much time to do something. And at that time you've got to stop and you've got to go do something else. Maybe it's, you've got another appointment. Maybe it's, I got to take my kids to piano lessons, <laughs> but at some point, you know, you've got to stop. And the tendency is to just keep pushing until that time. But whenever you do that, and you're not able to tie up all the loose ends and put things back where they're supposed to be, you tend to, your, your brain stays there. And you're trying to think of that one other thing that you were going to write or one other idea you want to add to the the document, you're not able to disconnect and focus on the thing that's most important in the moment and be present. So I mean, it's, it's the reason, David, that we, we confess we have so much trouble with our shutdown routines, right? Because we want to work until the last possible moment. And, and if I could make one small contribution to the Kurash Calm Productive uh, canon, it would be when you set time aside for these things, set more time away aside than you need to, like maybe by a factor of 1.5 or 2. Because I think people, um, uh, first, you always underestimate how long it's going to take. And second... Wouldn't it be nice if you could finish early often that the, that the average was that you got done early so you could properly finish the project before you move on to the next one. So you don't feel like you're being like being drugged from one thing to the next until you drop into bed exhausted. And even if it means you take on a few less tasks, then maybe that's a win as well. I agree. I think, yeah, no, often you, I think often we need more time to, to just let things come to mind about that about the project that would let you get it off your mind. You have to actively let it come bubble up in order to say, okay, this thing needs to be set aside this way. And, um, and, and when you do that and it'll, you know, those bubbling ups will slow down to the point that yes, it's off your mind. I'm curious, do you have any, how how do you incorporate uh, the development of ideas into your system? You talked about how, if you're in the middle of something, you've got the, space there where you can pause you can think about it you can put it in the right list but do you actually schedule time to just think more about ideas and see what's all there well let's say i'm writing something like if i'm writing a a book or so i'll have like a specific project that's called thoughts to add and um and uh and because of omnifocus i can just write tta you know to throw things into the uh project and it'll expand to that and it'll be so i just throw in an idea and um, I might have five or six of them and they just kind of sit there and wait for me. And then when I um, go to actually write, um, I'll see them waiting for me and I just kind of uh, pull them out one at a time. Um, So it's, it's makes it, there's just like this one dedicated spot for those particular thoughts. Um, I'm, I'm working on something else right now where I'm trying to develop like a larger set of, you know, uh, ideas of, um, you know, like a repository 
for thoughts like the, the slip box or Zettelkasten type of idea. I don't know if uh, it's basically yeah, like I'm a familiar um, with the Zettelkasten. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a linking together sort of thing. I'm working on that right now and um, seeing where that goes. Um, so that's another another uh, path. But you know, there's there's I've I've tried to consolidate my writings on several occasions, but I find that I just have different places for different you know types of thought. You know, if I'm I have a thought about meditation, I might add it to a long list of stuff that's in Scrivener, even though Scrivener is usually used for me just to write a book. And um, if it's a blog post, I might put it in something like Ulysses or so, or I might start it off in i writer or something it's just i've tried to put it all into one place and um i just find it doesn't work for me like that i i just have my my thoughts go in different places yeah you know there's nothing wrong with that as long as they work for you i, I think that the idea that you have to have one tool to to rule them all is is a silly one i mean there's a lot of great tools out there now and and we are as humans we are very strange and weird creatures and sometimes we need different environments to do different types of work you know once you once you've kind of started exploring and you can i, I mean I've, i feel like i've i'm pretty settled with the tools i use but there are there there's so many wonderful ones why not just use if they're not stumbling over each other i think you're okay that's that's the way i feel about it yeah um, <laughs> i i agree and i'm okay with that well Kurash, I know that you are very busy, and thank you for not saying no when we emailed you and asked you to come on the Focus podcast. We appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, if anyone would like to look further at some of the stuff Kurash is doing, uh, you can head over to, I think the, probably the best website would be Kurashdini, K-O-U-R-O-S-H-D-I-N-I.com. He's got links there to all the books and the music and the, uh, the OmniFocus stuff, the productivity stuff, you name it, it's covered there. And um, very nice website as well. So um, I think that'd be the place to go. Uh, are you active on Twitter or any of those other places, Kurash? Yeah, Twitter tends to be the, the main um, uh, place. So it's Kuro my handle is Kurosh Dini. Yeah. Um, yes. So that's, I'd say I, I check that at least daily. And then you occasionally do the internet music concert, play your piano. I, I have... Yes. I'll confess, I have uh, sat here in my studio and worked while you've serenaded me. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's very nice. And uh, so so go check it out. And, and really, this, um, this, court, this productivity video course, I think, is really good. I, I think one of the most common problems people have, and thing I kind of was banging on in this episode about, was the sense of overwhelm. And I think the concept of calm productivity is the answer to the sense of overwhelm. And we can all get there. Even if you work for somebody that's crazy and gives you too much work, I think there are ways you can help yourself. And I think this is a great place to start with uh, with Kurash's course. Thanks again, guys. All right. We are the Focus Podcast. Um, you can find us over at relay.fm slash focused. Uh, thank you to our sponsors today, Timing, ExpressVPN, and Squarespace. You can sound off in the forums over at talk.macpowerusers.com. We have our own little wing there for the Focus podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And until then, we'll see you in two weeks.